Welcome to SF City Insider, a San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Trisha Thadani, a City Hall reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. My colleague Dom Fricasta and I spoke to the leading candidates in each district race up for grabs in November. This episode, we spoke to District 2 candidate Skylar Hudak, a political newcomer who has centered her campaign around increasing services for the mentally ill. But the question with Skylar is how can her grassroots campaign stand up against her competitors? Skylar Hudak, thank you so much for coming into the City Hall press room. So we're going to start by giving you 60 seconds to do your elevator pitch, um, and we will time you. Um, so I'll count down. So three, two, one, go. I'm born and raised in the Bay Area, um, the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up spending time in the city and all around the Bay Area. And I, like everybody listening to this, really, really loves San Francisco. But I'm frustrated by a lot of the things that just should be better than they are. I think that San Franciscans deserve better than what they've been getting. And particularly one of my earliest memories was seeing people who were homeless. And I have those memories from being five years old and it's 30 years later and it hasn't gotten better. It seems to be getting worse. So everything that I've done, whether it's being on the board of the San Francisco General Hospital, um, I've done deep dives with the doctors and the nurses of SF General to figure out how we can actually treat these people and especially treat the people who need our help the most, severely mentally ill, severely drug addicted population that really, really need our help. And we can fix this. This is fixable. In a city that's inventing the future of the way the world is going to work, we should be able to be leaders on this and create a model that can scale around the country. You've gone over your minute. I haven't told you to stop. (laughs) I forgot to stop you. All right. We can reset if you guys want to. No, it's okay. Um, We'll just get right into the the questions. So you're you're a political newcomer, um, and you're running against an incumbent and another candidate who has won an election before he's on the BART. Uh, board of directors. So what experience do you have that would make you fit to deal with all the bureaucracy and politics that come with being a supervisor in City Hall? I keep hearing this, you're a political newcomer, and it's a really interesting phrase to me because Mm. I have been working in the community. You're right. I'm not a politician. I haven't been a politician. I don't know that I ever will be. Um, I'm running truly as a member of the community, and that's what I've been doing every day of my adult life. Um, Right out of college, I had the opportunity to go work in Washington, D.C., and instead of doing that, I took an internship in Mayor Gavin Newsom's office because I was so enamored by the Care Not Cash program, and I wanted, again, to be a part of figuring out homelessness in San Francisco. Um, That led to working on public education policy in the city, and if you ever want to get to know San Francisco, work with the public schools. That is the best conceivable way that you can start to fully understand the dynamics at play in San Francisco. Then I built public-private partnerships to help support our public schools. After that, I went to go work for Jerry Brown and was his statewide field director in 2010. Um, and after that, I went to start working in the industry that has we've become known for, which is kind of our tech ecosystem. I was part of a civic engagement tech startup Um, Then after that, went to go work on the media side of things, heading up corporate uh, and business development for a media company on the peninsula. Then I started my own small company. And throughout all of this, my entire free waking hours have been dedicated to the community, you know, giving over 10,000 volunteer hours, raising over $10 million for community-based organizations. And that's actually what San Francisco has always been about. It's always been about people giving back to this community, believing that they care so deeply about San Francisco and that it's such a privilege to live here that they should be giving back. They should constantly be contributing back to this economy, to this community. 
And, and so, yes, I may not be a politician, but I'm definitely a deeply invested community member. And I think those are the kinds of leaders that we need at City Hall to tackle these challenges because the private sector is not going to fix them on their own. The public sector is not going to fix them on their own. We have to bring people together. And that's kind of my core competency. Skylar, uh, mental health and the uh, impact of uh, mental illness uh, on the homelessness problem um, is a big part of your campaign uh, and, and doing something about it, I should say. Um, what specific services would you like to see more of in the city, and where do you find the money to pay for that? Right now, um, we are spending more on homelessness and on mental health care than we should be. If we were treating it in a strategic citywide framework, we would be actually saving money. Um, so for me, it's not about added resources for those problems. It's about using the resources we have much more effectively and having an actual strategy. You know, if you talk to Jeff Kaczynski, he will tell you the missing piece on homelessness, the one piece that no one has a strategy around, is around severe mental illness. And the intersection of mental illness with homelessness is toxic. Yes, our housing crisis and the affordability crisis is crippling us. It's playing a huge role in this. But where the toxicity comes in is where mental illness intersects with homelessness. Um, And that's actually leading to the number of needles on our streets. Um, We're seeing a significant increase in meth-induced psychosis. Um, That's leading to the human waste problem we're seeing all around San Francisco. So if you can treat and come up with a strategic system for actually addressing this population, this behavioral healthcare population, that's something that will make a measurable impact on every San Franciscan's lives. But also, I just... In a city where we are one of the wealthiest cities in modern history... It's also a humanitarian crisis. I personally struggle to sleep at night anymore knowing that there are people who are sleeping on our street who've been relegated there because they're severely mentally ill, because they're struggling with mental health. I just came from one of our SF General Foundation Board of Directors meetings, and they were talking about this patient who was 89 years old, um, living on the BART system, in a wheelchair, for 20 years. This is someone who was a hairdresser before, and basically they would find her at the end of the BART line. She would live on the Pittsburgh Bay Point line. And and only in February of this year, when she came into the hospital because of new systems that we've started to put into place and new kind of strategic management systems for addressing this behavioral health population, um, one of our incredible doctors was able to say, if we could get you a home for tonight, just for tonight, would you be willing to stay there? And only because of some of the other work they had done was she even willing to consider it. She's been housed since February now, and she's about to move into permanent housing. And that's the work that I want to work on. And no one on the Board of Supervisors mm-hmm. is as meaningly focused on this as they should be. So, so during your opening statements, you said you'd done some deep dives with um, SFGH. And so you're saying you want to propose a strategic framework. But like, what is that specific framework? Okay, I'm going to try to talk about this without giving the entire history of mental health care in the United States. But it's, it's challenging because it's actually all really intertwined. Um, we know that the U.S. has a history of kind of um, a really kind of horrifying history of institutionalization. And if you look at that history, you look at what President Kennedy proposed in 63, um, and he actually signed a bill, the Community Health Care Act. That was meant to create community mental health centers, deinstitutionalize people, get them back into the community, and then have them treated in these community health centers. He died a week after signing this bill. 
these centers, only 50% of them were ever built and none were ever fully funded. Then we see Reagan come in at the state level in California and defund here. Then we see him do it on the federal level. My concern is that San Francisco and California are actually the canary in the coal mine for what we're going to be seeing across the United States. So not only do I think we have an opportunity to fix this here, I think we have an obligation. My proposal is... If you look at the numbers in San Francisco, it's roughly 800 to 1,000 individuals. If we could treat those individuals and get them into the permanent affordable housing, supportive housing that we need to get them into, because right now we can get them into SF General, we can stabilize them if we have enough acute psychiatric beds or subacute psychiatric beds. But where the missing link is, is that permanent supportive housing for them out in the community and the supportive services to make sure that they're actually continuing in treatment and in care. And then they'll be able to be thriving members of our community. Um, and, and it's treating that whole person um, where if you do that, you actually save money in the long term. There are individuals For example, one last year who cycled in and out of SF General 165 separate times, the low estimate cost of what that costs the city is roughly $1.5 million on one individual. That That money could be doing so much more. And so those are the ways in which we can actually save money and treat more people. Another question about homelessness, uh, Skyler. When it comes to solving the problem, um, you've proposed looking outside of San Francisco to city-owned land um, as a as a place that the city, for, you know, for a place for the city to build a navigation center. Um, how is that a viable strategy? How does that work? So, I actually don't think that I said we should build navigation centers outside the city. I think I said it's a regional problem and we should be thinking of it regionally. 30% of the people on our streets in San Francisco come in from surrounding counties. I, I'm actually not a huge fan of navigation centers. You did propose looking at outside land. I think that there is land outside of the city and I think that that could potentially be used for permanent supportive housing, Mm -hmm. but not for navigation centers. did say for navigation centers. Did I? Okay. That's, that's good to know because that was a question that I had and I wanted to follow up with you on it. Um, because I, I don't, actually think that so I want to be yeah I wanted to make sure that I was at least you know clear I don't think we should have navigation centers outside the city Um, I do think we need to treat the problem regionally I think we need to think about um, rent stabilization as a regional question Mm -hmm. Um, we know that once someone becomes homeless in a surrounding county they're more likely to come into the city because we have a lot of the services Um, and so I, I think that across the region, if we start to look at this and say, look, we have a housing crisis that's a regional housing crisis, um, which is also creating a regional homelessness crisis. Um, And we're seeing these numbers, obviously, not just in the Bay Area, but seeing them statewide increase. Um, So I do think we need to think about it regionally. I think we need to even fund pieces of it regionally, because right now San Francisco is bearing a tremendous amount of the burden um, for the Bay Area. And that's just not sustainable. I do have a question. I mean, I I completely understand that about the, the regional, it's not just San Francisco's mm-hmm. issue. But what do you do as District 2 supervisor to to get toward that goal? Like, you can't pass laws in San Mateo. You can't pass laws in Santa Clara. So, like, how does that work as San Francisco's supervisor to, to approach things regionally? I mean, I also can't, as a supervisor, necessarily tell a company how to spend their money. But I can say, um, here's a collaboration that I would like to propose that I think is going to make things better for everyone. And I feel the same way about working with surrounding counties and surrounding governments. It's not about going in there and telling them how they should do things. Um, I was 
born in Walnut Creek. Uh, I'm very sensitive, actually, to not telling surrounding counties how they should run things, but instead saying, let's work together and address this because the decisions that are made in San Francisco impact the entire Bay Area. We know that they impact the tourism of the Bay Area, the economy of the Bay Area. And so there's an opportunity, I think, that's been missed to some degree of not from the sitting supervisors, uh, not doing more collaboration with surrounding counties. And I think we need to see a lot more collaboration. This is a region that is so interconnected, much more so than, than many other major metropolitan areas and other major metropolitan areas like LA, for example, um, is very interconnected structurally. We are not. Um, so it's going to take more so than ever for us to really extend ourselves and be creating those partnerships to make sure that the decisions we're making are in the collective best interests of the Bay Area. So, so but you do support a navigation center in District 2. Yes. Um, so would, I mean, would residents there support it? And what would you say to folks who would like sort of blanch at the prospect of putting a navigation center um, or a shelter in their district? I find that when you are willing to sit down and listen to someone's concerns and um, even allow them to be frustrated with you or tell you why they're angry, those are people who you can typically bring along with you and say, look, I'm happy to sit down and have this conversation and I'm happy to listen to why you're angry. And typically they're angry because they haven't been listened to to this point. Um, I think that part of the role of any elected official is to be an educator, uh, to be a liaison on behalf of city policies, but also to really be someone who listens. Mm -hmm. And right now, one of the reasons I'm running is I think far too many people um, who are elected officials show up, they maybe speak, but they don't listen as much as they should. They are not as collaborative as they could be. And that's the kind of supervisor that I would like to be is someone who really shows up, who listens. Because uh, I think that when you do that, you can accomplish these things. And the number of people's doors that I knock on, I say every single time when I knock on someone's door, I wanted to hear if you have any concerns about the city. 90% mm -hmm. of the time, people talk about homelessness. Uh, and I know that people think it's not a District 2 issue, but I will tell you, when you talk to people in the district, they will tell you it's worse in the district than it's ever been. But also, they don't understand how with an $11 billion budget, and when we spend more per capita than any city in the country, how it's possible that this hasn't improved at all. Mm -hmm. They're so frustrated. And, and really, we look at the numbers, we know that it's not actually getting worse by the numbers. So why does it feel like it's getting worse? It feels like it's getting worse I think, um, in large part, due to this rise in people living on our streets who are severely mentally ill and severely addicted. Do you think there would be resistance within the district to get a navigation center? And like, how would you? I'm certain. Those? I'm certain there would be resistance. I think there's been resistance to every proposed navigation center, mm -hmm. and that's you know that's understandable. That's understandable. But again, when you come back to someone's humanity, San Franciscans are incredibly compassionate people. Uh, they, whether they know it or not, or it's conscious or not, they think a lot about that kind of ethos of St. Francis and wanting to be caretakers. The compassion is so, so real in San Francisco. Um, so talking about it kind of from that perspective and believing that navigation centers can actually be temporary. They're meant to be temporary. We're meant to triage people and get them into long-term solutions. And, and that's, really what government should be doing a lot more of. You know, the reason I think that you run for a local office instead of a federal office is you can have a lot more impact in a local 
office. But you can have that impact in large part because you're willing to incubate policies. Cities should be laboratories for government. Um, we should be incubating policies here. And when they don't work, we should be able to walk away from them and say that didn't work. And when they do work, we should be able to scale them to other cities, to states, and to and federally. Shifting gears a little bit, um, as an entrepreneur yourself, um, you know, you, you've uh, talked about the importance of keeping businesses in San Francisco and promoting small business. The the opposition campaign to the Prop C, um, our, our city, our home initiative, says that leveraging an additional tax on uh, on businesses uh, uh, would drive companies out of the city entirely. That's the kind of the looming fear there, right? What is your stance on Prop C, and what would you do as a supervisor to make sure that the city can still be friendly to businesses? I think that for Prop C, my biggest concern is that when you look at how the dollars are being earmarked, I'm concerned that there's not a strategy around how they're being earmarked. Uh, Again, I knock on people's doors all the time, and, and one of the things they say to me is, I'm happy to pay the taxes, just let me know that you're spending my money effectively. And right now, I think it's pretty clear Uh, given the state of our streets and our roads and our sidewalks and a lot of the problems that we have in our public safety crisis that we've had, especially around personal property, um, it's pretty clear that those dollars are not being spent effectively. Uh, So, you know, any time that we pass a bond or parcel tax, I I want a strategy around how those dollars are going to be spent. So 25% of Prop C, for example, is supposed to be going to mental health services. Great. Problem. Um... Right now, we're in the process of transitioning the entire SF General uh, Hospital onto an electronic medical record system. I fought and advocated to get us onto this onto this system. We're taking 67 different patchwork together electronic medical record systems and transitioning the hospital for once onto one system. And it's critical to service. Right now, the uh, Department of Psychiatry is not scheduled to go onto that system until 2021. I don't see how 25% of the dollars of Prop C are going to be spent effectively. And if you ask any of the doctors or the nurses or the care providers, they don't see how they can spend those dollars effectively until they are on that system. We propose these big plans for San Francisco, especially around homelessness, and we let people down. And this is a, another example of where I'm worried that we could let people down because I don't see the strategy that should be there. Do you feel like then the prophecy just isn't the way it's laid out, which ballot measures are specific. This money is going to be spent on specific things in, in specific thresholds. So you're saying that that's just not the right strategy. It's really important to differentiate between the Department of Homelessness and the Department of Public Health. And frequently we look at homelessness as though it's one problem. And I think one of the things that people don't fully understand is that the Department of Homelessness cannot touch an individual. They cannot put them into housing until they are, if, if the person has severe mental illness or they're dealing with um, severe addiction, they can't touch them or put them into housing until they're stabilized. I, I think that's totally fair in, in differentiating between that. But, but keeping that in mind, is Prop C the right strategy? I'm for me the verdict is out on whether or not it's the right strategy. Um, I really want I want to see more of a strategy around it, and I also want to say I'm I'm also part of the school of you know having seen San Francisco in 2009, 2010. One of the things that I remember studying back then was we saw an exodus of cars in the morning from the city down to the peninsula, and at night they were coming back in. San Francisco was becoming a bedroom community to the peninsula. We don't need to be pushing businesses out. 
And that's something I'm very mindful of in large part because I've worked for the public schools and because I've worked for um, worked with San Francisco General Hospital. Those those businesses are what fund those services that we want to provide. Um, so for me, the verdict is out in large part because I don't see the strategy that I want to see. But I do believe that specifically with homelessness, specifically with the, the work that Jeff Kaczynski is embarking on, I do believe that they need more money. All right. You've survived the long question part <laughs> of the podcast. Um, so entering the lightning round. Um, so keep your answers yes. as brief as possible, please. Yes. Um, so number one, what, what is the first piece of legislation you'd like to sponsor as a supervisor if elected? I would sponsor a citywide mental health care network uh, with supportive permanent housing um, based in the community and community health care centers. Uh, we talked about Prop C, which is a big you know, a focus of a lot of attention on this upcoming November ballot. What about Prop 10, though? That's another one that's being watched really closely. Where do you fall on the repeal of Costa Hawkins? Prop 10 is a tricky ballot initiative based specifically on the fact that um, I think that we there are ways in which we should be expanding rent control, um, but we should be doing it far more strategically than a blanket repeal. And so I think, you know, if Prop 10 were to pass, then we need to immediately put a legislative solution in at the state level and at the local level to stabilize things um, because a a blanket repeal is going to be very dangerous. And the number one thing that is most important is that we continue to build. As the only renter in my race in District 2 that is 70% renters, the only way I will ever be able to afford a home in San Francisco or anywhere in the Bay Area is if we keep building. And my concern around Prop 10 is that if we, you know, if there's a blanket repeal and we don't have a legislative solution one way or the other, uh, my concern is that we stop building. We need to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't preserve San Francisco, the look and feel of San Francisco, at the cost of losing the the diversity and the thriving, like, vitality that has always been a part of our citizenry. Last question. So we've asked every single candidate who's come in here this question. Um, So no one likes to be put into a box, whether it's um, especially with political labels. Um, But in this building, you know, the progressive moderate split matters. Um, How do you consider if you had to put yourself into one box, how would you how would you define your political leaning? Um, You know, I think I think most people would probably characterize me as a moderate, but Mm -hmm. realistically, I think that I work really well at building partnerships. That's my core competency in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that San Francisco politics needs to be far less ideological and far more pragmatic. I know I said that was the last one, but one more. What do you do for fun when you're not campaigning? What do I do for fun? I, I hang out with my sister, honestly. I mean, my sister is my best friend. And so really anything, we go for walks to the bridge all the time. Uh, I think the Golden Gate Bridge is the most You live right around thing. there also, right? I do. Yeah. I live I live on Fillmore, a block off uh, Marina Green. Mm, and it's a nice spot. It's gorgeous. And I moved there specifically when I was working on the Brown campaign in 2010 because I knew I would have a very short period of time to myself every day. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to run to the bridge because uh, I think the Golden Gate Bridge is the most beautiful man-made monument in the world. And it's symbolic. It closed the circuit of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And that's what has allowed incredible ideas to flow. And also, I'd like to think about, you know, people who came here as immigrants seeing the bridge. It's so inspiring. <laughs> yeah. and, and it really helps me remember why I'm killing myself and working so hard and making mm-hmm. a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. because this is an incredibly special place and I think it's time for us to really live up to our potential mm-hmm. as a global capital. Yeah. All right. On that note, Skylar, thank you so much for coming in. No burrito questions? No burrito. <laughs> no burrito questions. <laughs> 
This show is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. It was produced by me, Dom Fracasa. For more City Hall coverage, visit sfchronicle.com.